What's your guilty pleasure? Me? I don't have one. You're listening to Guiltless Pleasures, an unapologetic pop podcast with Bobby Asin. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Guiltless Pleasures. I am your host, Bobby Asin. We are back. We had a one-week break as I was a guest on my friend Jess's podcast, Rediscover. If you haven't checked that new episode on her podcast out yet, make sure you give it a listen. We are going to jump right in. There is a lot to discuss this week. My current guiltless pleasure, yes, I'm going right into it, is the movie Godmothered on Disney+. Plus. The fact that I have watched it three times in one week should tell you that I am in love with it. I have played it at work for my coworkers. I played it for my Meemaw at her house, and I originally watched it in Siesta Key when I was visiting Olivia, who was my guest on my last podcast episode. So if you haven't already watched Godmothered on Disney+, Plus, make sure you do. If you love Confessions of a Shopaholic, you're in for a treat. You'll see a familiar face and an amazing actress. Actually, the whole cast is full of amazing actresses. So definitely watch that now to get you in that holiday spirit. And it's just enough cheesiness mixed with elf that, you know, elf movie vibes that it is the perfect Christmas movie you could ask for. I did watch The Princess Switch 2, which was obviously the sequel to the first one with Vanessa Hudgens, and um, I thought it was interesting. By that, I mean it was pretty bad, but that is to be expected with most Christmas movies, but I really thought the first Princess Switch was so cute, but the second one, they definitely tried, and everyone that has asked me, I have still not watched The Holiday. I have told my friends that I will save it to watch with them, but now I think we are going to actually watch it on christmas day with my family so stay tuned for my full review on holiday with my girl emma roberts now this is kind of going to be a two-week topic in a way because i want to go into more of my experience per se coming out and you know different things that i believe not only I or myself have idolized but other people in the gay community have I don't want to generalize too much but this was kind of a mixture of ideas one brought to me by Brooke talking about you know things that I had guilty pleasures of growing up because I couldn't say I liked them because when I was younger I was acting straight and I had already planned on doing a podcast episode with my mother on my coming out story and how that was with her. So this week, I kind of wanted to get started on what at the time were my guilty pleasures because back then, I didn't know really about embracing things as much as I do now. Growing up, I always wanted to play with dolls and I was always obsessed with, you know, female characters more than male characters, that's for sure. I mean, just growing up, I had a fascination with the Powerpuff Girls, Disney princesses, and even in Scooby-Doo, I was always and mainly only a fan of Daphne, and I would always idolize these women. And it's interesting because I feel like most of 
the characters that I resonated with all felt oppressed and eventually their story leads to them following their dreams or who they want to be and it being liberated. And I want to start out with that journey by saying that something that I always bring up and most people know that I love is The Little Mermaid. People have known that I am obsessed with Ariel and it's also a generalization that most gay people are huge fans of Ariel. And for me, I think it's quite simple. Some people don't realize this, but the movie The Little Mermaid and The Beauty Beast, sorry, the movie The Beauty and the Beast have a background theme going on, which actually is about the AIDS pandemic. Howard Ashman and Alan Menken have said that in the music creation of these movies, that that was the underlying story for these movies. Additionally, into Aladdin, uh, Aladdin was the movie where Howard Ashman died and Alan Menken had to do his first movie on his own. Um, Howard Ashman had died of AIDS and Alan Menken's first song he wrote without Howard Ashman was A Whole New World, which is about his experience without having his musical partner. And yes, only a musical partner. Alan Menken is not gay, just Howard Ashman was. So they were not partners that were in love. They were actually work partners. But Ariel, you know, sings about part of your world. And I've always resonated with wanting a different world that my parents didn't really believe in or understand and especially my father so with Ariel having that troubled relationship with her father I always felt so much like her and you know she has her line saying I bet you on land they understand that they don't reprimand their daughters bright young women sick of swimming I'm ready to stand and I always felt that that too which says I'm ready to know what the people know ask my questions and get some answers I felt that in my life growing up that there was so much that I couldn't share or go into as much because I knew from gender norms that were put on me and that's just from school and not necessarily only at home but that I couldn't really involve myself truly in the world that I wanted to be in and We have characters as well like Daphne from Scooby-Doo and Blossom, which, you know, even though they love fashion, things like that, they are empowered and they go after their adventures and sometimes they get kidnapped or, you know, like side B stories. But truly in the story, they hold something that brings the team together. Like people think that Fred is the one, you know, all right, gang, let's split up. But the reality is Daphne calls him out for being you know having these idolistic ideas of that the man should be in charge and that her and Daphne sorry her and Velma are just as smart and could be the brains of their organization and how the Puff Girls was three little girls that were able to solve and fight things that these men you know like the police officers and all them had no idea were even happening and the fact that three little girls could save the world was always inspiring to me and when I think of gay icons like Britney Spears and Madonna and Lady Gaga, they are all women who have owned their sexuality. And to me, I always felt that that was amazing. I never understood how someone could be so open and they would own everything and say, like, this is my sexuality. I 
can put it all out there. I'm fully confident. And these women always own their sexuality when the world tried to make them look or try to make them seem so oppressed. And it really, the only way they were being oppressed was from the stereotype that I feel like men had placed on them. And I always felt with Britney Spears' journey that my life was similar in a way, which yes, obviously I'm not famous, but I felt this journey of what the world told me I should be as in like straight and all those things. And then my own reality was that I was trying to fight against that. And I was looking for the day where I would feel comfortable in my own clothes. I would see them wear the most gaudy outfits, something that's so extreme. And I would just dream of the day that I would have that comfort. And I honestly can say I didn't hit that comfort in clothes until I was actually 21. I started wearing things that were more tight-fitting, sheer, and lace, and I started shopping in the women's section because those clothes fit me tighter and felt like they had more freedom. And I think that brought a whole different sense of confidence to me personally. And I think because of so many gender norms, we are strict you know we are restricting ourselves to not wear something that's showing that much skin as a male and all these different things but I had all these amazing women to idolize whether they're cartoons or you know celebrities and even with me playing with Barbie dolls when I was younger the reality is and I remember the theme song for Barbie when I was a kid was be who you want to be, B-A-R-B-I-E, girl. And the reality was, is when I was playing dress up or playing Barbie, whether it was the Ken doll or a Barbie doll, I was able to experience and express whatever realm of a world or a life that I wanted to enjoy. It was a world of fantasy. There was no restrictions on me. It was all played in my head and sometimes out loud with friends, but there was no limitation of what was okay and not okay because in those moments I felt free and so I think that's why we so many of us I should say in the gay community resonate with these characters especially characters like Elsa or these people like Madonna because they have been oppressed they've overcome it and we've idolized these stories and I think it's so important that we take a look and recognize why we love these things that we do. And if you look at all my interests now, like my guiltless pleasures, I mean, are the things that I've always loved and that I used to be ashamed of. And it took me quite some time to feel comfortable in my own skin to acknowledge those things. And I can only hope that the younger generation and even now that we just keep continuing to break the mold and that we really just learn that these things are our interests and our likes and there should be nothing that we feel guilty about liking because your interests are your interests. So I can only hope that we keep going towards this direction of, you know, owning everything. And, you know, from my earliest days, I remember organizing Christmas tree ornaments on our Christmas tree. And my mom collected Marilyn Monroe ornaments 
and Scarlett O'Hara ornaments while my dad collected NFL ornaments and I would always match the Maryland's and Scarlett's outfits to the jersey colors that the men were wearing. And I remember there's some of Maryland were wearing a red bodysuit or when she has her pink, hot pink dress on from Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend. And I just thought like, wow, like she's so beautiful. Like she's so like sexy. And I always wanted to like feel that way. And I'm not saying so that I ever wanted to be a girl or that I wanted to do drag, but I just knew that I wanted to feel the way that they looked. And I know that there is obviously a backstory to Marilyn Monroe, as we know her, like the real reality is Norma Jean and everything that she went through. But I also think that when she was doing those things, she truly did feel free and liberated, like being naked and... I think when you can show the whole world your true self, like your whole body like that, it eventually does feel very liberating. And I think Marilyn Monroe and Princess Diana are great examples of that. You had Princess Diana who took her gloves off to, you know, when she was interacting with a child with AIDS and was showing that it's okay, like you don't, you're not going to catch AIDS from hugging a child or anything like that. And I think that I idolize these women so much because their story, their journey, their strength is everything that I wanted to be as I was pretending to be straight for so long and their stories inspired me to own everything that is the parts that make me who I am and with their stories, with their triumphs, it gave me the confidence to go outside the box in my own life and go after whatever I had wanted to go after. And for that, I am forever grateful for these made up characters, these real people, for their stories, because I could be a shy boy whose, you know, dreams and talents and things don't get recognized because I would have stayed oppressed if it didn't come from idolizing these characters and seeing positive outcomes for them i feel like so many people you know idolize usually athletes and things like that and i didn't have that i got to idolize disney princesses and i think the stories that i idolized are important and i think they're important as an adult to see that good overcomes bad and that in cases like Marilyn monroe that sometimes the world is not accepting enough and that could be your like lead to your undoing I don't think Marilyn Monroe was really responsible for what happened to her at the end of her life. I think it was the pressures and the norms, but her story still, even with that ending, had inspired me and I think inspires so many others. And I think that's why we idolize these characters and these women. And I think that's what makes people definitely gay icons. I am very excited to go further into this uh, either next week or the following week with my mother to go into more of my upbringing and my own coming out story. But for now, it is time to go into our pop culture recap. So I want to start out with our Bravo pop culture recaps. I am all caught up on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and I want to say that Jen is the absolute most. I adore Jen because... I think she is exactly 
what reality television needs. She's like the comedic relief. She has the drama. She has the storylines that really draw attention. And she brings the fashion that we love in the Real Housewives franchise. I think she brings the fashion that we you know, know and love from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but gives us a whole new twist on the kind of crazy storyline of her own life. And I just think it's so refreshing. It does bring me back to like early 2000 vibes of reality television. I mean, some things she does are just absolute whack. And so I am a huge fan. I did think it was really ironic that Kristen... I'm sorry, not Kristen, Katie and Lala joined this week's episode of Salt Lake City because they are friends with Whitney. And she says, oh, Lala and Katie are always the life of the party. I'm sorry, if you watch Vanderpump Rules, Katie is one of the most boring people ever at a party. And I'm not saying being sober makes you boring, but Lala doesn't party anymore. She is sober, so I don't know what generic statement she was forced to say just to have them have a cameo on the show but i would never say that either of those girls are the life of the party from the cast of vanderpump rules if anything that scene was very lackluster and it just seemed very forced and we do find out later from an interview that jen herself says that she was starstruck meeting those girls at her party and i would be very starstruck as well but I do think it's interesting that Whitney said that they are the most lively people at a party. And speaking of Vanderpump Rules cast, we know that Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox are being sued over their cocktail book. Apparently, their book was originally a concept in 2016 that was made for a different bartender at the restaurant. The author's original name is, oh, the original author, I should say. Her name is Allison Baker, and she says the couple has breached contract, and she says that they owe, you know, 45% of an advance and royalties for the book. And we do know that Ariana and Tom have made an official statement saying the allegations presented are false and are frivolous. We are vigorously, we will vigorously defend ourselves against these baseless claims. I think it's very interesting. I do think that people all time go after anyone and say that things had a similar idea. So I think it is very possible that this is just another way of someone trying to get quick money. But you never know, and I feel like everyone at this point definitely has ghostwriters. I love watching Real Housewives of Potomac and other housewife franchises where people like Giselle say flat out, oh, I can't write to save my life. I have a ghostwriter do that because I think owning it is the most important part. So maybe that girl wrote the book and she didn't get the right payment, but I do think it's probably their own book and their own idea. But speaking of Vanderpump Rules, we know that Faith Stowers is making a statement how she is happy that uh, Saucy, Kristen, and now Jax Taylor are off Vanderpump Rules. Something that I was shocked to find out was that Maria um, Menones, I think I said that right, from, yes, the lady who talks before the AMC movies start playing, uh, talked about 
actually, I don't know if she even is the introduction for AMC movies. I just know when I go to the movie theater, she talks about whatever's coming out soon, is pr- apparently producing a revenge show for Faith. And it's going to be about her journey getting revenge against the cast of Vanderpump Rules. And I think that's a very interesting concept because I can't imagine that any of those people would be in the show. But production has apparently started uh, according to Faith on her own reality show. I just think it's interesting because Faith was a, I don't even want to say category, like B friend in the show. I think she was like a C or a D. She was like in three episodes. So don't get how she's going to have her own reality show about getting revenge. But I mean, make that coin, girl. Good for you. And that is it for my Vanderpump Rules recap here. But I also want to go into now Real Housewives of Orange County. I love seeing the journey of, you know, COVID in Orange County. I do think a lot of interesting things were brought up, like how Bronwyn had professional photos taken of her during the Black Lives Matter protest. I don't think it's necessarily the best thing, because I do think it draws away from the message, but I do see what she was saying by defending it, saying that it is her showing her white privilege and using her crowd to get attention to the march. But I do think in a way that showing that you're at those events does pull away from what it's actually about. Uh, Because it can almost seem like, look at me, look at me, I'm doing these great things. And it takes away from the reason of actually doing them. But something that was more disappointed to see watching the show was that when the COVID lifts have happened for, you know, shopping, different experiences, we got to see the women film themselves in the stores. But when they're filming themselves in stores like Costco and Target, they are not wearing masks. And I get they probably thought you could hear them better that way, but I think it's interesting that they don't wear masks shopping, but they wear the masks walking to each other's houses or hanging out at each other's houses. But I will say I am not surprised to see that Kelly Daw did not wear a mask on her airplane to her flight to New York City or that she walked around Times Square without a mask. That is very on brand for Kelly Dodd, and that's for sure. And I think it's interesting that she left and didn't expect the city to get shut down and she had to leave her daughter in California with her husband. And I think it's an interesting statement to say that there's nothing or that the most important thing in this world is her man and nothing's gonna get in between her and her man. I think the reality is if you have a child, that should be your child to be your number one, but go off, I guess, Kelly. We also know earlier on the season, she does wear a Housewives Lives Matter hat so it's like kelly dot is just kind of a vile human being in my opinion and to hear her opinion on the police and all these different things i think she's very out of touch and she says her husband who is a fox news reporter is not conservative and doesn't have opinions on these matters in real life is very interesting i think it's a coward way out but we shall see now my next bravo pop culture update is kind of a mixture with e and mtv in a sense because we have the cast of southern charm into some drama kristen cavallari 
has had allegations that she is dating Austin from Southern Charm. We do know that this isn't actually not true, but we do know that she not only has been hanging out with Austin, but she also has been hanging out with Craig. She came into town and messaged them to go off for dinner and that the cast had all hit it off together, meaning the two guys and Kristen. But we do know that she is not having relations with either boys from the cast of Southern Charm. I applaud Bravo and Southern Charm cast for their work in the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it is amazing what they are showing on this season. I do think it's very interesting to see the downfall of some of the characters from not cooperating, such as Catherine, who used a monkey emoji, which has caused a whole thing of chaos. And I think her neglect on owning anything and taking responsibility or even apologizing for things that have gone on too long says a lot about her actual character. This part now is my actual last Housewife recap of the week is that the cast from Real Housewives of New York, cast members Leah, Luann, and Ramona have spoken up on their opinions on the restaurant shutdown in New York City. I find this very shocking because I feel like Ramona stays away from anything political, so I am very surprised to see her speak up on something and share facts and quotes that are maybe meaningful for this situation. I just am surprised, and I'm surprised in a good way that Ramona's actually using her voice for something because I feel like she has learned to hide because most of her opinions are terrible. Now, moving on to something additionally that I find to be terrible is the fact that the Lizzie McGuire spinoff of her older years has been canceled. We do know they had filmed three episodes and there was a hiatus on filming due to different agreements not being settled, and it just blows my mind that they had meetings with the Disney Plus executives every day for three episodes that were greenlit. They had a studio warehouse built of Lizzie's house. They had filmed in New York City. That all this could happen, and there could be a disagreement on a storyline. Basically, Disney Plus did not like how sexualized the storyline was going to be because in the first episode, we would find out that Lizzie McGuire's fiance or husband, I'm not sure what his relationship, relationship was to her, but that she would find jewelry of someone else and accuse him of cheating. And we learned that this storyline is what put halt to this because it would mean that the characters in the show have sex. And to me, I will never understand how you can have The Simpsons, which is sexualized, graphic, disturbing. I mean, I like The Simpsons. I'm not trying to say they're a horrible show. I'm just saying that this could be on Disney+, Plus, but Lizzie McGuire having her partner cheat on her is too inappropriate make it make sense i mean you can watch star wars and watch anakin slaughter young jedis you can watch basically r-rated superhero movies if you're a child on disney plus but you can't have liz mcguire catch her husband or not even catch but approach and talk to her husband or partner about cheating on her please someone make it make sense but we have the statement here from Hilary Duff herself. She says, I've been so honored to have the character of Lizzie in my life. She has made such a lasting impact on many, including myself. 
To see the fans' loyalty and love for her to this day means so much to me. I know the efforts and conversations have been everywhere trying to make a reboot work, but sadly and despite everyone's best efforts, it isn't going to happen. I want any reboot of Lizzie to be honest and authentic to who Lizzie would be today. It's what the character deserves. We can all take a moment to mourn the amazing woman she would have been and the adventures we would have taken with her. I'm very sad, but I promise to everyone I tried my best and the stars just didn't align. Hey now, this is what 2020s are made of. And to that, here's me giving a moment of silence to Lizzie McGuire's story, not continuing. All right, that's enough. On to the next subject. We are in the final week coming up for The Bachelorette of Tasha's season. And I am so excited to find out who is going to get to propose to Tasha. I do want to say from this week, it amazes me how absolutely disgusting everyone looks besides Tasha sweating every possible moment. I mean, these poor families and these poor guys are drenched in sweat. I even walked out on his date to see Tasha for his hometown date. And as he's walking to her, he already had sweat stains all over the front of his shirt. These men look so sweaty. It looks like it's absolutely disgusting. I remember hearing in an interview that the heat sometimes was, the index felt like 120. And it looks like these people have been swimming in pools. It is so gross. I will say that my opinion on Ben is that he is like dating a mannequin. I mean, I think there's nothing going on in that brain. He just, it's just crickets. There's no lights on. I can't even fathom trying to have a date with this man. He is someone that's like silent. And I think that's how the only way he got to the top four because he's always been so quiet that he just gets by. He doesn't do anything that's bad per se. And to me, that is just as bad. Like doing nothing is just as bad. And what has always been his downfall is doing nothing. The way he talks about his sister, the way his eyes like almost pop out of his face and it gives me the fucking creeps. Like, I'm pretty sure he wants to fuck his sister. I'm sorry, I have to say it. He just scares the shit out of me. His eyes look like he has been to like war somewhere and like killed a bunch of men and just like wants to like kill everyone. I don't know. He just scares the shit out of me. I really, really, really want Tasha to be with Ivan. I don't even know the other two guys' names. Is one Kevin? I don't even know. The other two guys are just like, meh. I want sweet, sweet Ivan to win. I loved how Tasha was so happy to see Ivan's brother come out. I mean, even she was crying just from the excitement, knowing how much it meant to Ivan that his brother was able to be there and to surprise him. I thought the hometown dates were really, really awkward i get that they couldn't go travel home but i mean i just would prefer them not to have those dates at all because that carnival date and stuff like girl that was some awkward shit also taisha calling that sloth stuffed animal a monkey girl you know what a sloth and a monkey is but that's my opinion on that but good rhythms ben you got nothing going on in that brain, so I'm sure you'll be fine. 
All right, everyone, I know it's the moment you have been waiting for. It is time for me to talk about Evermore by Taylor Swift, the newest surprise album that was dropped. I will say, to be honest, my first time listening to this album, I felt it was kind of lackluster. I really enjoyed the beginning, was really vibing with it, but then by the end, it kind of lost me. And by the end, I really mean that when I started listening to Coney Island, which is song number nine, it was like, what is this? I really don't care for Cowboy Like Me. I thought that Bon Iver once again ruined another great song. I wish she would stop putting men in these songs that are so like quiet and soft and then having these men like abruptly singing. I did just take a quiz to rank my order. Now I don't know if this is accurate, I'm just reading now for the first time as I read it loud to you guys. It says my number one song ranked is Gold Rush, number two is Tis the Damn Season, three is Willow, four is Champagne Problems, five is Dorothea, six is Marjorie, seven is Closure, seven um, is Tied for two songs I never heard, Um, so I kept clicking No Opinion, it's called Right Where You Left Me and It's Time to Go, so I cannot give a full opinion on those because I haven't heard them yet. I will be buying the CD that came out today at Target, so eventually I will be able to tell you my opinion on those two songs. So then I'll say after closure, it goes into long story short, um, then Nobody, No Crime, Ivy, Tolerate It, number 14 is Coney Island, I think it's the worst, one of the worst songs in my opinion, 15 is Happiness, 16 is Cowboy Like Me, 17 is Evermore featuring Bon Iver. Um, I would definitely say my favorite song, if you ask me offhand, I normally would say tis the damn season or gold rush um offhand those are the ones i listen to the most so i do see why um they would have like such close ranking to each other but i do think that's pretty good top five because that is that seems definitely to be pretty accurate so i just took the quest the quest the quiz i mean (laughs) online so Just Google Evermore album rankings and it'll let you make your own chart. And just like that, we have finished this week's episode. Please make sure you are subscribed to Guiltless Pleasures with Bobby Asin or you follow me along on any social media platform. You can always find me at Bobby Asin. That is B-O-B-B-Y-A-S-E-N. And for the time being, everyone, stay guiltless.